Hi. Um, welcome to episode five of season four of our podcast. I'm Mary Abazia, and with me is Tom Spitali and Sean Wellham. Hi, guys. Hello. Hey, Mary. Hey, Tom. Hey. Sean. So this season, um, we're, fo- <laughs> we're focusing on megatrends, um, and these are things that you need to know and prepare for. Um, when we work with B2B companies, um, there are certain trends that are impacting them either um, really, really bad or really, really good. So what we're trying to do here is 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 help you uh, more proactively address them. Uh, Sean had mentioned in the first uh, episode that trends are factors that are outside of a company's control, and yet you know, it impacts the business and we have to be responsible for them. So Tom, what is our trend this week? This week's trend is often called the experience economy. And it describes a situation where um, if in the past people used to delay gratification, put money aside, save for big asset like purchases, like homes, for example, today that's shifting a little bit. And what's becoming more important is living in the now, having the experience today that you used to deny yourself and wait many, many years for in the past. It's kind of a, I I think we see clearly how this trend plays out in the business to consumer space, you know, people spending on vacations and fine foods over mortgages and savings and things like that. But I think there's another aspect of this that is even more relevant to our audience in the B2B space. And that is the idea that the experience of buying and using a product is becoming extremely important to people, to, to, to B2B customers. And that's really what we want to talk about today, how that's impacting the B2B world and what our clients can do about it. Hmm. So, Sean, what do you think some of the factors are that are driving this? You know, I think the, um, you know, I don't think it's a particularly new phenomenon, at least in, in conceptual terms. You know, back in the, the late 90s, you had um, authors like Michael Lanning, who was talking about how a value proposition is really the, 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 the totality of the experience your customer enjoys or, or experiences based on every aspect of your product or service from you know, research all the way through. So the idea itself is, is not new. I think what's made it more relevant is, as Tom said, this changing view that, that it's not enough to have products or services. It's the, it's the consequential experiences that create memories, that that create some a personality to your transaction, whether it's a, as an individual consumer or as a representative of a business. So, so the way I see it is is the the society shift between the valuing of experience and demanding experiences that are that are way beyond the the, the practical. You know, you can take your car in for a service as long as they service your car efficiently. You would argue you've had a good service, but if you have an experience that that somehow enhances that, whether it's the friendliness of the staff, whether it's the quality of the coffee you get while you're waiting, whether they give you a decent loaner car while they're doing your service, all these things create this totality. So I think it's it's two two things are meeting at this time. One is that 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 twenty year old view that that a value prop is nothing but the sum of experiences, and the the society shift where people 
um, particularly of, of, of younger generations, are expecting and therefore demanding that an experience is is tied up with the product or service delivery that it creates a memorable event in their in their lives. That's how I see it anyway, a sort of confluence of two two separate things. Wow. That's good. I can't. I can't even argue with you today, Sean. I think that's right. No, no. <laughs> I only think, come on these calls for a bit answer. of arguing. <laughs> I know. I can't even be contentious. I'm probably wrong. I usually am. <laughs> oh, Tom, what do you think? I think that I think uh, what Sean is saying is, is is true. I think there's a couple of other things that are that are happening. One one is this idea that in many. Um, well, in the United States and a lot of other countries too, it, it feels like the middle class is shrinking. And, you know, you've got this situation even more so in the United States than you've ever had before, where it, it's almost like this, this, this idea that there's the haves and the have-nots. And the have-nots are a little bit angry, justifiably so, that, you know, coming through college, they've got a lot of debt. They're, you know, seeing a horizon that includes a long time to pay off that debt and to, to build assets. And they really don't want to wait uh, as long as maybe their parents did to experience the finer things in life. And so that's that bigger B2C trend. I think a, a lot of, is being driven by this, this middle class shrinkage. But I think that what goes hand in hand with it is also the idea that you know, social media allows us to have a lot more conversations about products and services than ever before. And that tends to extend to that experience of buying a product and service. So I think all of that is, is adding up to uh, make it paramount that any kind of business pays real close attention to what is the experience like to do business with your organization, how can you also maybe put some uh, of your value proposition into the hands of some of your customers um, with somewhat less than a you know a full the full financial outlay <laughs> that they may not be ready to commit to at this point? Mm. You know, I have a perspective on this. I think that we always create experiences. It's just that we're creating often bad experiences. And so through that pain of what we see, you know, customers going through, if we're, if we have enough empathy to really try to understand what it is that, that they're feeling, um, in some way in that chain regarding the types of products or services that we have, that's where we have the opportunity to then turn it into a good experience. So I guess it, I, I could add to not only is it an experience um, economy, but it's hopefully, you know, turning it to a good one. Um, the best example I have of this is um, I was talking with a bunch of engineers and one of the engineers said that uh, he makes scanning equipment for, for a big company and uh, he said they had just built a brand new MRI and he was really excited and he went and went down to watch it. And as he watched it, um, it happened to be one of the little kids had to go into it. And the little kid was just petrified. The parent was upset. The, the healthcare provider, the technician was upset because they couldn't, they had, they usually have about 80% of the kids get, um, they had to be set take sedations, be sedated, sedated, and, um, yeah. sedated. <laughs> and, um, and he just realized, even though he had made a perfect scanning box, that it was a bad experience all the way around. 
And so um, Doug Dietz, actually, you can find him on a TEDx talk. It's D-I-E-T-Z. He went back and made it so that it was an experience that kids would would see as they're skipping on rocks into the MRI room and their MRI room was transformed into a jungle or into a pirate ship. And the kids wanted to stay still during that because if they stayed still, they could see the fish jumping. And, um, and they asked if they could come back the next day and the health care providers were happy. So that's an, ex- that I think that that's one of my favorite examples of a really bad experience. And, you know, an engineer that, that as Doug said, he said, I had empathy. I looked at it and said, whoa, there's this real big issue here. And he switched it around. So even in a very techie, you know, B2B, 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 C, you can change that into an experience, a good experience. I think. I think I'd pay extra for that. Pirate ships, you say? Yeah. I mean, that would make a trip to the doctors exciting for me. So I guess it would work for, for other. Then again, I'm, I'm very easily pleased. I think, though, doesn't this go to that whole point of of how we, we preach all of the time that, that 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 you can only differentiate on the on the product attributes to to a very limited extent. Before long, modern technology being what it is, product quality. Will tend to even out your product is probably no better than the next guy's generally speaking you very rarely get a product um advantage and even if you take it back to things like like automobiles you, you drive a car most cars if you looked at them objectively are pretty much the same in terms of their reliability and their form and function but they have a whole bunch of experience which is what all the advertising is about and it's the same for any product whether it's a consumer product or not if you've got this if you accept that your product is going to be there or thereabouts and your price is going to have to be there or thereabouts, then the only differentiator is, is truly understanding what it's like to be your customer, like the example you gave, Mary. And if you can get that insight, if you can observe, if you can, which is the best way of getting market research, I think we can agree. You can see something that says, how can I make this experience better? You, yes, you have to maintain product quality and performance, and that has to increase as as every product improves. But you can look at that specific customer experience and then see if it's scalable, if there's enough customers that have the same experience or have the same expectation. It's a huge opportunity for differentiation. So in, in, in many ways, it fits back with what we've been saying all of these years. It's just another way to think through what differentiation is. It's not necessarily product. Mm-hmm. Sean, I think you're right. But I think there's succeeding levels of, of this idea of customer experience. I think what you just described is a necessary but not sufficient first step. And that is this idea that we've been talking about for years, that you have to consider the whole product, right? The, the, the quote-unquote entire experience, at least of you know, what this product that you're, you're developing um, delivers to the customers. But I think there's a, 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 a subsequent step that represents the next step in evolution. And that is to just really look at individual interactions um, that people have with, uh, with your company and, you know, what it's like to actually try to get information about the product or service. You might have designed, um, you know, a really great value proposition, a whole product value proposition that it, that includes services and information and all this stuff. But if people have difficulty kind of accessing that information or the information doesn't seem relevant to them or 
heaven forbid, and this happens a lot in B2Bs, especially those with multiple products, they're trying to buy an, a new product or service from a company when they've done business with that company in the past. It's totally a disconnected experience, right? The company doesn't seem to remember them from interaction to interaction. And so I think that's how we get into the next level of this thing by doing customer journey mapping and really looking at it from what's it like to not just buy this product the first time, but what's it like to kind of own this product, use this product, get information maybe when it doesn't work, buy another product from our company and try to start to knit that experience together. Companies that are doing that are really managing the experience. And I guess that broads the experience out to be every single contact point, doesn't it? From from the very beginning of, of, of a customer looking to f- discover something about the product all the way through to maybe disposing of the product. I know some 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 innovations can be had with 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 getting rid of the old product, you know, before you take in the new one. And, th- and that's another experience. And every time you can make that memorable and fun and positive, I guess if you I mean I don't know how many, there must be multiple times that 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 the customer will have an experience of of choosing or using or disposing of your your product and it's it's getting those so it's, it's not just deepening the relationship in terms of experience it's also broadening it across all the touch points from the whole life cycle yeah it's sean your experience your your um example there is about the sort of tail end of the life cycle right disposing of the product here's another interesting thing on the complete other end of the spectrum the actual b2b sales process how can that be uh, a great experience. And we're seeing um, over the, the past, uh, I don't know, decade or so, as this experience economy has become more prevalent, we, we, we see some sales approaches that are seeking to maximize the experience, like the challenger sale. Um, the challenger sale is really about making the sales process not just um, a direct pitch about the benefits of your particular product or service, but stepping back a level and saying, how can we you know, teach something about our industry that makes our product uh, or, or service, um, or makes the, the customer a better buyer of our types of products or services? So kind of that front end of the sale, uh, sales process can, can, can be you know, made to be a better experience. At the back end, there's opportunities kind of all throughout the life cycle there. Mm-hmm. This is great. Um, Sean, do you have any closing thoughts about this? I just, well, I don't know if it's a closing thought. It's a thought and it's in my head, so I'll share it, but it might not be worth sharing. But here it comes. Was that enough preamble? Okay. Well, <laughs> nice. Can't wait to hear this one. Well, when I, would, I did a class at school years ago and it was, it was about episodic memory. Uh, as it relates to business. And the, the, the concept was that, that if you remember um, data points, it, it's hard to remember. You have a different memory recall. If you remember an episode, you have a, a different part of the brain and it comes much more fluidly. And the, one of the ways this was, this was shown to us is if you said to someone, um, what was the, the, the house number of the first house you, you owned? You know, you sort of think about it and you say it was you know, 116 or whatever the number was. And then you you talk about um, other aspects of, of of who was your mortgage provider, and again you recall that data and you think oh it's so and so. Then you say, 
walking through the front door, what's the first thing you saw? What was the first experiences? And all of a sudden you're relating an episode because you're talking about walking through the front door and the, the what you saw, what you smelled, what you experienced. And it's a much richer and deeper feeling. And it just struck me that that, I always wondered what the point of that class was all those years ago. <laughs> but now I'm sort of thinking that's it, isn't it? If you if you say, who's your supplier for paper clips? Oh, it's uh, oh, Jones and Company or whoever. If you... If you're always at that level of data, uh, as opposed to episodes, if you if you if you can create those memories, it's a massive improvement to your positioning. You know, we talk about positioning about what goes on in the customer's mind, and if you make that a richer and more positive environment, and create episodes for the customer, not just sort of regular events or data points, it's um, it's a way of creating almost brand, isn't it? It's creating a long term position. So. That was my random thought of the day. I just I just realized 20 years on what the point of that class was. That's my thought. <laughs> Go back and thank your professor, Sean. Send a note. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he's retired and probably living somewhere very yeah. nicely. Um, Tom, any closing thoughts for you? I think the B2B marketer needs to double down on ter- in terms of paying attention to the ex- entire experience. Mary, your story about the uh, the MRI machine is perfect. You know, it's a lot can happen from simply watching how people are using your your products and services, or even going to the extent of doing ethnographies, or even even more in depth, getting into customer journey mapping and looking, as Sean said earlier, uh, into all of the the touch points and where you interact with your customers and what's good or bad about it. I think that that's you know the 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 next level that's going to be required to be successful in B two B and and we're seeing um, a lot of that in B two C right now and it's on its way. We uh, we would love to hear your feedback um, uh, either on on this podcast or topics that you think would be interesting to to uh, have us delve into. Um, you can go to the accidentalmarketer.com website and click on our podcast button to hear any of our podcasts and give us feedback. Or um, in iTunes, we have a, a podcast page, of course. So thank you very much and good luck with your trends.